Hello and welcome to the D&D 420 podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping you become a better dungeon master. I'm your host, Eric M. Hunter, and I am a struggling game master trying to figure out how to tell a better story. Joining me shortly is Jimmy Shields. He is the creator of D&D 420 and an avid D&D fan with over 30 years of experience. And this is what we're calling our spotlight for the monster bestiary that you can find only at D&D 420. We speak about another creature that I don't have a whole lot of experience with, but was extremely excited to hear about, and that's the Rage Drake. Okay, the Rage Drake. Rage. The Rage Drake. Drake. Yes, they are. Rage Drake are a cousin to what we talked about last week when we spoke about... The, the jungle. jungle dragon. Yes, the jungle dragon. Still um, absolutely terrifying. If you didn't listen to that episode, you got to go back. These things are crazy. If you thought jungle dragons were crazy, where do you crazy get Crazy, Jim. Okay, so Rage Drake are similar. Okay, they are a cousin. They are not a dragon. They have that same part of that family that have the same dragon-like heads. They don't have any real wings, but they have those um, kind of five or five-fingered hands on every, at the end of every appendage. Again, but they're very feline in their behavior. Um, these are more like, I think I might have even mentioned it during the um, the Jungle Dragon episode where, where Jungle Dragons were more akin to uh, one type of cat. Rage Drakes are most akin to a mountain lion. Um the di- oh. A big difference being that mountain lions are still very, um, the males tend to act the same way. So rage drakes, male, male mountain lions tend to act more like male um, cougars and panthers. A lot of the great cats other than lions. Lions are um, social creatures where the other, most of the other great cats are not. Same thing with um, these uh, the rage drakes are more like lions in that way, in that they do have familial units that they gather in, um, and so that's going to be a, a smaller family group, usually maybe three or four generations living together. It could be anywhere from just a few, three or four rage drakes, all the way up to maybe twenty or even twenty-five per group. The larger the the family group the larger the territory they can dominate. Um, so the, a really large rage drake family and infestation is what that becomes in mountainous regions. They prefer their climate a little more arid. Um, it could be a temperate, but usually use temperate climate, but you usually see them more in the hotter climates. Um, in Karnak, you will find them in those mountainous areas away from cities uh, in Terradora and the rugged regions. The Azure Peaks in Amistopia, the Thysarian Ridge, which is obviously the Thysarian uh, region, the mainland, and the southern Kichichian mountain range, or the Kichis in Laos. Um, the southern portions where it is a little warmer as you go north in Laos, uh, you don't see as many because it gets colder up that way. Um, so that kind of, in a nutshell, is uh, a rage drake. They, they are these fierce... And when, so when you won't you won't often encounter them in groups just because their tw- their families can get up to like twenty you won't often encounter more than five or six um, because they'll break down into smaller units in order to dominate larger bits of terrain. So yeah, but I mean, 
encountering five of anything, I feel, is like... Like, that's super battle. Do you know what I mean? That's not just a random encounter. Right. Well, Rage Drakes are... They are a challenge rating three. So they are pretty tough. Especially when you put them in groups. Yeah, that's... No, thank you. No, thank you. Well, they... they... <laughs> no, thank you. Um, they, the one thing to kind of note about them is they, again, like... Like uh, we talked about with jungle dragons, they are more beast than what they are dragon. Um, they they do have voracious appetites. So you're talking about a group of a family group of five or ten even. How much meat does it take to sustain those larger families like that? Just think of the range that this um, these units would have. These family units. It, you'd be talking miles and miles. And when they do start to bump up, if the family unit grows in a Rage Drake society, they're going to get closer and closer to civilization. Well, they tend to avoid civilization because that's where they become hunted by adventurers. You start seeing signs hung up in your local taverns. Uh, Rage Drakes. You know, and only the hardiest of adventurers will take on those jobs because you don't know what you're getting yourself into. You come across one, not a big deal. You come across six, and they do have the ability pack tactics, so they gain advantage if they're within five feet of some of one of their kind, and they're not incapacitated. So you see that they can become a huge threat because they got those razor-sharp teeth, razor-sharp claws, um, and they are just so aggressive and eat so much. It's really a dominant force in any in any area that they're in. So, and when we were talking about the jungle dragons, like um, we mentioned the sounds that they make. Um, is that something like the Rage Drake, or would that be something they could give off where its, um, its position is? Or are they still like the jungle dragons where they're like that predator? Like they're the ones who are, like they're going to be quiet. They're the ones who are hunting. Uh, they are more, while they're hugely territorial, they are more um, aggressive and they do tend to puff up. An interesting thing about a Rage Drake is they have that, that um, it's like a frill around their neck, similar to what like an iguana may have, perhaps. Um, the, it, the frill or the hood of the male marks his prowess. And so that frill gets bigger. Females have similar, like more uniform looking hoods that they don't use. Um, like the males do, um, that it's like a large ruff of skin and bone. It's um, folded back against its head and neck, supported by long spines, which are like kind of connected beneath where the jaw bones are. So when they're frightened, or if they get angry and they're trying to intimidate, they they frill they like will flare that frill out. It'll gape its mouth open wide, exposing the bright yellow lining of their Inner, inner mouth and those huge vicious teeth that they've got um, and as they spread it out um, you know they, they look much larger more more intimidating to the prey and when they don't want to fight if they are perhaps luckily um, already full or everyone in their little familial unit is full then they'll just run other things off and they just scare stuff that they don't want to fight out of their territory by doing that. But they really use that more so as 
an intimidation factor. They puff themselves up, uh, territorial display to discourage predators, which they also use the same type of thing that will display their prowess to the females in order to attract mates. And they are not monogamous. Um, they, they tend to roam around and bump with other, other little small familial units and they will have those territorial displays, but they'll happen again and again. You'll see these type of um, courtships almost between families of rage drakes where they will bump up into each other and fight over and over and maybe not fight to the death. Maybe there are um, one of both of the families or one of them want to grow. Usually both would want to if they'd allow this sort of thing. They would allow courtship among the males and females so that they could produce several offspring. And during those times you come across rage drakes, those are going to be the larger groups that are clumped together. If you come across, you know, 10 of them or more, that's probably what's happening. So, yeah, so the fighting isn't, it's not for sport. Like it's always for um, the dominance or for dominance or something like that. Exactly. It's to, to show your prowess and the rage drakes must show their prowess. That is how they were. That's how their society thrives, is by that kind of uh, peacocking display. And the fight is as much of a display to other, you know, other predators of the area, uh, and a, as much as it is a territorial dispute over the area and land masses, as much as it is to impress females of both sides as well. Um, so, you know, you have it on multiple levels where them being aggressive and dominant and showing these intimidating displays, it's it's just ingrained into their culture. Man, that's crazy. And especially since they're um, like they have no natural habitat, like they could go pretty much as long as the food, the food chain is there like they're well, they, they can pretty much go and live anywhere. Well, they do prefer hot. They do prefer hot, uh, arid terrains and mountainous. They, since they're primarily meat eaters, they like the mountains because of the protection that they provide. And they will come down from the mountains to hunt. And so you'll start to see huge tracts of, of land where... And they'll mark their territories as well. They will scratch trees and such, similar to what uh, jungle dragons will do. Um, they'll scratch into rocks, and you'll start to see where rage drakes have scratched huge um, claw marks into rocks. They are a little smarter than your typical animal at around uh, an intelligence of four. I think jungle dragons are very similar in intelligence, three or four. Um, so you, you, it's not an elaborate um, marking that they'll make, but it will differ when, when you see um, kind of families one family or another, those markings will differ and they will be uniform for that, those areas. So they do recognize the symbolism that they're marking, the sort of claw graffiti that they leave to mark their territory. And would that be unique amongst yeah. like the different groups or is it just kind of like a general now, sign but, of warning? Um, it's, a, it's a little of both. So like it is unique to the group, each familial group. Um, and you'll see variations as well. If they're, if jungle dragons are pervade or not jungle dragons, I'm sorry. If rage drakes are pervasive in an area, uh, with a little with jungle dragons too, but more so with rage drakes, then you'll see these markings and you might even see variations of families where you see the first part might be the same, but there's like something a little different at the end. 
um, that might mark, you know, a relation to that family because they'll they won't get too much bigger than 10 or 20 before they do start splitting up into smaller groups of five or four. Um, that, that way they can, again, spread and have neighbors that help rule their territory with them is they are since they are animalistic. It's all about territory where they get to hunt. Everything is. And they can't be domesticated. There's no way. Um, so, yes, they can. They can actually be <clears throat> domesticated. That is, that is true. But it's very difficult because um, they are quite intelligent. So it takes having one from birth. If they live much longer than just a few weeks, they've already become too wild. They've already, that aggression is already beginning to be inundated into them. It's already a trait that's passed down for generations and generations among the Rage Drake, all the way back to their beginnings of Katum the Mountain Shaker. Katum the Mountain Shaker was the titan who produced the Rage Drakes to fight for him. Um, which is another story for another time, but that's just all part of the lore of Karnak with these titans, these ancient ones that lived thousands and thousands of years ago. So during that war, rage drakes were employed, and they were of the most aggressive of all of the minions that were first brought forth upon Karnak. And that, so ever since the anger of their creator was infused into them, this is how they've been successful in hunting and in and dominating terrain. And you don't see the only other races that we see that in, that success of huge, because you can say jungle dragons have a lot of success. You can say even lions probably have a lot of success. But in the D&D world, lions are just kittens compared to rage drakes. Oh, yeah. I mean, what was it? They're, they can get up to 10 feet long, 2,000 to 3,000 pounds. Yeah, they can be huge. Now, there is a discrepancy here. There are other versions of the Rage Drake I did want to talk about a little bit because this is something that you can find a lot of homebrew stats for. I'm not the only one who's made stats for these guys. I originally found the Rage Drake in a Dungeons & Dragons board game called Wrath of a Shardalon. Um, I purchased that years ago. Um, super cool game if you want a watered-down D&D to play in just a couple of hours with your friends. Just merely like a tactical dungeon crawl board game version of Dungeons & Dragons. But there's also one for Dritz and there's one for... There's all different ones. I bought them, the games, for the figures. And I fell in love with the Rage Drake. Uh, the stats looked cool. It was cool in the game. They were really ferocious. But there were no Dungeons & Dragons stats for them. So I made a Rage Drake because I, I loved it in the game, in that board game. And I still got that same mini. I still use the same mini that I got out of that board game years ago for my Rage Drake. Um, it was one of the first minis that I painted, and I was like, wow, I did pretty good on that, you know, because I was slapping paint on before that. So that's right. that, so you'll find um, my version's not the only version out there. I found later that other people have made rage drakes and they've done a really nice job with it as well. I'm not the only one who's done a, a decent job of portraying this. Um, so you'll find different stats for them. Um, oh, but what I was saying, we went off on a tangent. Maybe it's because this is D and D four twenty. What? Uh, <laughs> 
was it's all right folks we're still here i was gonna try to bring it full circle but then we were going i started going into the next part so all right so before you do that let me make a comment that i wanted to make before you went into that tangent okay. when we were talking about the markings on the tree whether you know they're uniform or just a general sign of um, danger or whatever yes. that could be something an adventurer could learn to read oh absolutely and learn to notice yeah if you have so i think that's that's a killer that's a killer idea yeah that's stuff that if you are uh rain you could give that information to the ranger of the group that you know when, yeah. when they roll well on their you see this and they they have a nice roll on their survival or uh whatever the hell it's called and tracking. <laughs> tracking i don't know what it's called now it's not tracking but <laughs> yeah, i've been prepping for third edition again i have a third edition game coming up so i've been looking at all the stats um for third there's so there's so much better uh, uh there's, there's so I, much better. i like both for different reasons just like i love the d6 version of star wars i love yeah, true i mean all these different games yeah. they, the ghost style they play differently on ghostbusters yeah yeah they all the games play differently. Fifth yeah. edition, third edition, second edition. They all have yeah. a very unique. They're all flavors. Yeah. Yeah, and yep. you know I like, I like vanilla ice cream, so some people like chocolate. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like vanilla ice. So okay, go back to what you were saying. Though. Okay, so the only other creatures as successful at controlling territory as the Rage Drake are all humanoids. That's that's an interesting and dragons. So so they that's how they're very much like dragons is that they can control these huge dominate huge areas of land. And in the uh, in Terradora, the rugged regions, that's where all these rage drake, that's like rage drake capital of Karnak is the rugged regions in Terradora. So they control that, and you have to, if you want to cross over the center of Thysari, or of um, Terradora, I'm sorry. Did I say Thysaria? No, that's, that's, I didn't. I think I'm just high. If you want to go through the central regions of Terradora, you got to cross the rugged regions. You have to go through jungle, or uh, rage drake terrain, and you then you have to have a guide. You have to have somebody who recognizes those type of markings we were just talking about. Somebody who understands the behavior and knows how to keep out of harm's way, because if you just try to traverse that without somebody who is adept at surviving the mountains, there in Terradora, you're going to end up Rage Drake breakfast. That's uh, because they're so powerful. That's because they're so strong and in, they can be in such large numbers. Um, but then I was kind of getting back to the stats. Um, yeah, stat block time. Stat, stat block time. That's what I was trying. I was trying to make a smooth uh, transition. In the it stat didn't block. work, Jim, but I'll tell you what. We tied up all the loose ends, and now we're coming in for the home. That's I right. I think everybody's okay. That, I, that deserves <laughs> we're going to make it. That deserves a hit, right? I can take a hit now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Yes, thank you. This guy over here asking me permission. The producer, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, boss, can I? Can I please? Is that okay? Can I please? Come on, boss. Just this once. Come I'll on, never boss. ask again. Just this once. He's my boss. So, uh, stat block. Stat block time. <laughs> uh, yes, that's what we're doing. We're not going to leave it behind this time. We, I feel like I've left the stat block out. We'll talk about a few things. They are a challenge rating three. Um, they are in the dragon family as far as spells are concerned, um, as far as um, favorite enemies and all that type of stuff are concerned. They are 
fairly dexterous, but incredibly strong. Those are the two highest traits they really have. They got that four intelligence, average wisdom, and charisma. Um, they're pretty tough. They're, it's really they uh, they can get a multi attack to where they can either make a claw attack and a bite attack or two claws. Um, unless they have, they use their special attack, which is the charge attack. When charging or using their aggressive charge trait, which they do have a trait that goes back to this, um, it can attempt to trip its opponent. So it gets that, um, it'll dash. The aggressive charge is a dash as a bonus action if it's moving toward an opponent. <clears throat> so then they get to move twice and then when they do get to move twice they still get to attack and when they use that attack not only are they attacking but they are attempting to trip their opponent dc 16 <clears throat> so they're trying to put you on the ground and uh mentioning again it does have pack tactics which if that rage drake is within five feet of an ally that is not incapacitated it gets advantage on its attack rolls against any creature it comes across. Um, they also have keen hearing and smell, which gives them advantage on wisdom perception checks that rely on hearing or smell. And they have a rage, like a barbarian rage, on a lion. That's what this thing really is. If they go, it's that mountain lion. Yeah. So if the rage drake is reduced to zero hit points, it becomes enraged. It gives it plus two to its AC and it gives it 21 temporary hit points. All attacks made by the Rage Drake while enraged. Um, oh, this is actually, man, this is another misprint. Daggone, it gets plus. Every time we do this, come uh, yeah, on. Yeah, I'll have it fixed by the time <laughs> it airs. I got misprints everywhere. So all attacks made by the Rage Drake while enraged made with a plus two to the damage. Um, and then all attacks made against the Rage Drake while enraged. Um, have advantage so they become more susceptible to attacks but they get those temporary hit points they get a higher ac and they do more damage on those attacks um, so you start putting them all together all raging at the same time uh, that is their tactic they get those they get that that sort of intimidation they do have a nice intimidation bonus of plus three so that's kind of like having a uh, proficiency and intimidation for them um, with that charge attack the aggressive charge and rage these things they come in fast and they come in to kill thanks for listening to this episode of the D&D &D 420 podcast for everything D&D &D 420 related check out dnd420.com if you'd like to reach out to us you can find us there on the website and on YouTube at D&D 420 lastly as always if you'd like to support the show you can do that by telling another DM about the show and by visiting us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at D&D &D 420. We will see you next week.